This information is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is offered with the understanding that the presenters are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert advice is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. Welcome to the Real Estate Financial Planner Podcast. I am your host, James Orr. This is episode 17. Today, we're going to continue with Norm and Norma's story. Way back in episode 12, Norm and Norma considered saving up 15%, 20%, or 25% down payments and buying short-term rentals. They figured that the extra income they could earn by doing the relatively small amount of extra work required to run a short-term rental business might be worthwhile and help them achieve financial independence faster and safer than the other strategies they were considering. And they were right. Saving up 15%, 20%, or 25% down payments to buy short-term rentals were some of the fastest strategies to achieve financial independence, second only to buying fixer-upper properties. In recent episodes, they were considering utilizing the Nomad real estate investing strategy of buying homes as an owner-occupant with 5% down, and then, after living in the property for at least a year to fulfill the obligations to the lender to get the owner-occupant financing, they would convert the property to a rental and buy another 5% down payment owner-occupant property to live in. They would then repeat this process until they had acquired as many rentals as they wanted. So it seems only natural that they consider combining the nomad real estate investing strategy with short-term rentals. In other words, they would buy a property that would ultimately make a good short-term rental as an owner-occupant with 5% down. They live in the property for at least a year to fulfill the requirement from the lender that they signed at closing, stating that they will live in the property for a year to get the 5% down payment and better interest rate financing. But once they saved up another 5% down payment and can qualify to buy a second owner-occupant property to move in, they convert the previous one to a rental, this time a short-term rental with improved cash flow. The only real fly in the ointment of this strategy is qualifying for the next property. Unlike converting properties to long-term rentals with year-long leases where most lenders will allow them to use that income to offset the mortgage and other expenses on the property they're converting to a rental, with short-term rentals, many lenders will want to see a year of history of income from short-term rentals to be able to use that income to qualify for the new mortgage. If Norm and Norma could qualify with their income to support the previous property they're moving out of and converting that to a short-term rental, until they get a year of short-term rental income history, they could utilize this strategy without using the income from short-term rentals. Otherwise, they may need to find a lender that will allow them to use the income from their short-term rental without having a year of history with it. For the sake of simplicity in this episode and modeling, we have assumed they were able to find a lender that would allow them to use the income from their short-term rental to be able to qualify for the next Nomad purchase. So, how does Norm and Norma nomading into short-term rentals compare to them just doing plain vanilla, but still amazing, nomad? Doing plain vanilla nomad took 26.42 years from when they start until they're able to support themselves from their investments without working their jobs anymore. But if they do nomad, but convert the property they were living in into a short-term rental instead of a long-term rental, it would take them only 16.58 years. That's almost 10 years faster. 
Think back to episode 12 when Norm and Norma were considering doing short-term rentals for the first time. In that episode, they were considering saving up 15%, 20%, or 25% down payments to buy short-term rentals with non-owner-occupant investor loans. Back then, it took them somewhere between 23.58 years and 24.58 years to be financially independent with short-term rentals with investor loans and not moving into each property first. And that was a really impressive time to achieve financial independence. Heck, it's still about two years faster than doing traditional plain vanilla nomad, which is amazingly fast. However, combining nomad with short-term rentals improves the speeds of financial independence by about eight years at the cost of having to move into 10 properties. Norm and Norma will need to evaluate for themselves, as you may need to evaluate for yourself, is stopping working your job and being financially independent eight years sooner worth the hassle and inconvenience of moving 10 times? Maybe, maybe not. That's a personal decision. I'll put a link to a page where you can see charts comparing Nomad into short-term rentals to doing short-term rentals as a non-owner occupant in the show notes. But I'll primarily focus on comparing traditional or plain vanilla Nomad to nomading into short-term rentals for the rest of the episode. Back to our story about Norm and Norma. Part of what allows them to be financially independent sooner is that they're able to acquire properties faster. The extra income from the short-term rentals helps them in two important ways. First, it allows them to save up for down payments faster. So if the limiting factor in them buying properties was down payments, this helps. Second, it allows them to have higher income when calculating debt to income. So if the limiting factor in them being able to buy properties was their debt to income to qualify for loans, this also helps there as well. That means they're able to acquire their 10 properties considerably faster. Once they own the properties, they've locked in their mortgage payment, the principal and interest expenses on the property, and they then get to benefit from increasing rents over time with a large portion of their expenses fixed. Of course, the taxes, insurance, and maintenance on the properties do creep up with inflation, just like rents do, but they're relatively small part of the overall expenses on the properties. Having the mortgage payment, which is a large part of their expenses on the property, be fixed they get a leveraged benefit from increasing rents on their cash flow. In fact, by the time they're financially independent doing the nomad to short-term rental property strategy in month 199, the difference in cash flow is significant. They're generating over $7,700 a month in net cash flow after all expenses on all their rental properties. Compare that to less than $2,000 with traditional plain vanilla nomad. Now, I can't help but defend traditional Nomad, though. It's still an amazing strategy, especially compared to many of the other strategies that Norm and Norma have considered so far. It's just that nomading into short-term rentals is better. Now, that $7,700 and $2,000 per month in cash flow is in future inflated dollars. If we adjust back to today's dollars, it's about $4,700 per month and about $1,200 a month, respectively. Cash flow is important, but it's not everything. What about net worth? Is it better for Norm and Norma and their net worth to utilize short-term rentals? Yep, it sure is. By the end of our modeling, in year 60, 
they'd have just under $67 million doing plain vanilla Nomad. But if they add in short-term rentals, they end up with over $116 million. That's in future inflated dollars. If we adjust back to today's dollars, traditional Nomad is about $11.5 million in net worth compared to about $19.8 million if they added short-term rentals. That's about $8.3 million more by doing the extra work of short-term rentals. Those net worth numbers assume they maintain their same frugal standard of living for the entire 60-year period. I think most people would, at some point, let their lifestyle creep up just a little bit. What if we just looked at what standard of living they could support from their investments? Let's look at when they finally achieve financial independence with the traditional nomad strategy in month 317. In month 317, they are finally about to generate $5,000 per month in today's dollars with traditional nomad, enough to replace what they were earning and living on from their job. But at the same month, if they opted to convert their nomad properties to short-term rentals instead of long-term rentals, they'd be living at more than two times their standard of living. Instead of earning about 100% of what they were earning, they're earning over 220% of what they were earning from their investments. That's about $12,000 per month instead of $5,000 per month in today's dollars. That's pretty significant. But what about risk? Is it riskier to do short-term rentals than to do long-term rentals? Normally, when we consider risk, there are a few go-to metrics we like to look at. First, debt-to-income, or what is the ratio of their debt payments compared to how much they're earning? Rent resiliency, or how much can rents drop before they'd have negative cash flow? Debt-to-net worth, how much debt they have compared to what their overall net worth is? Debt-to-liquid net worth, also called debt-to-account balances, or how much debt they have compared to money in their accounts? And last but not least, months of reserves. How many months of reserves they have in their accounts? Let's run through each of these quickly. Let's start with debt to income. We talked about this briefly earlier. Higher income from short-term rentals overall helps with debt to income. So from a debt to income perspective, utilizing short-term rentals seems to have a lower risk profile compared to traditional nomading. How about rent resiliency? Well, higher income on the rentals by doing short-term rentals helps here as well. By having higher income on the properties, it means that rents can drop more before they'd have negative cash flow. So from a rent resiliency perspective, it looks like doing short-term rentals gives them a lower risk profile as well. Well, that's two for two so far in favor of doing short-term rentals. But how about debt to net worth? Well, acquiring more properties sooner means that they take on more debt sooner. That means that they have a higher debt load when using short-term rentals. Higher debt with a limited increase in net worth means their risk, as measured by total debt to net worth, is higher when doing short-term rentals. That is until about year 20. By year 20, they've acquired all their properties when doing short-term rentals, but they're still acquiring properties with traditional Nomad. With each new property acquired with a high loan-to-value loan, they are increasing their debt to net worth. So by acquiring properties later, they keep their debt to net worth higher longer. So for the first 20 years, from a total debt to net worth perspective, it is riskier for them to utilize short-term rentals. But for the remaining 40 years after year 20, it's riskier to do traditional nomad with long-term rentals. 
But what about measuring their debt compared to their liquid net worth, or what we like to call total debt to account balance? Well, that's even more extreme than total debt to net worth. Utilizing the money in their accounts to acquire rentals faster means they're keeping less liquid money in their accounts. This is true for the first 20 years until it switches for similar reasons that we just discussed with total debt to net worth. Now we're tied up at two measures of risk in favor of short-term rentals and two measures of risk in favor of long-term rentals. Let's use reserves as a tiebreaker. Acquiring more rentals faster with short-term rentals means that Norm and Norma need more money in reserves earlier than with long-term rentals. And eventually, the extra cash flow from short-term rentals means that they have more months of reserves set aside. However, in the short term, being able to have the income and debt-to-income to buy properties faster and not mandating that they keep a minimum number of months of reserves before being able to buy the next property means that they are operating dangerously low on reserves. If Norman Norma really wanted to utilize the short-term rental strategy, we might want to rerun their plan with requiring they keep, let's say, at least six months of reserves for their personal expenses and each of their rentals before being able to buy the next property. This would slow down their acquisition speed, but it could reduce the risk considerably. Of course, we could use a similar rule for traditional Nomad too, requiring, let's say, the same six months of reserves for that too. If we have the same rule that requires six months of reserves in either case, couldn't we say that they could have similar risk profiles during the acquisition phase? In each scenario, they would have a full six months of reserves for their personal expenses, all of their rentals, including the one they were about to buy. So in conclusion, utilizing short-term rentals combined with the Nomad strategy can significantly improve their speed of achieving financial independence over nomading into long-term rentals. It can also give them a higher standard of living and or a higher overall net worth. From a risk perspective, they benefit from improved cash flow, but suffer from an increase in their debt load early on. And while the way we modeled it, they're living on the edge in terms of months of reserves, the risk from reserves could be the same regardless of whether they do long-term rentals or short-term rentals if we set the rule to only buy properties when they have the same number of months of reserves for both scenarios. Overall, nomading into short-term rentals could be a good option for Norm and Norma if they're willing to live with the hassle and frustration of moving 10 times and putting in the extra work required to run a short-term rental business over a long-term rental business. But Norm and Norma caught a podcast I did that talked about house hacking, and they begin to wonder what the impact of getting a roommate or two or three might be on their ability to achieve financial independence. Find out how that works out for them in the next episode. Also, be sure to check out the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast to see how having variable property appreciation rates and rent appreciation rates, variable mortgage interest rates, variable inflation rate, and variable stock market rates of return impacts Norma Norma as they consider nomading into short-term rentals. I hope you've enjoyed this episode about Norma Norma nomading into short-term rentals. This has been James Orr with the Real Estate Financial Planner podcast. Bye-bye for now. Oh, I almost forgot. You can download the newest version of the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet for free. Just go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet to download it right now. It's amazing. Bye-bye for now.